Thank you, worship team, for leading us in song. Thank you for my mom, Cindy, for yeah, taking us through some of those things as well, and for the MCs. Uh, yeah, I pray that God has already begun to work powerfully through all of you. Good morning, PBC Combined Service, uh, the Explore and Evening Congregations. What a privilege it is to share with all of you this morning. Uh, thank you for tuning in and sharing your time with us. I know it's difficult online and it isn't the, the most ideal way for us to meet together, uh, but it is the option that we have available now and I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you all tuning in. Um, I don't want to rush into anything this morning. I, instead, I encourage everyone to pause, to let this time uh, become significant. I find with, with online services, I have to put in more effort, as it were. I have to uh, prepare myself more. And so I want to spend some time doing that before we get into the Word. And so I, yeah, I encourage you guys to put aside any distractions, that sort of thing. I know I get really distracted easily. Um, and we're not going to rush in. Instead, we're going to be intentional about inviting the Holy Spirit to be with us this morning. And so, yeah, we're going to start off just praying, inviting the Holy Spirit. I, know, I don't know what space you guys are in, if there's lots of you, if there's a few of you. At the moment, it's just Shan and I um, in the house together. And, um, yeah, I invite you to take on a posture of receiving. Um, uh, and, and that could be physically standing, kneeling, lying down, sitting, whichever is more comfortable. Um, I invite you to pause if you need to, uh, to, to be able to take the most out of, make the most out of this time, uh, just connecting with Jesus, or preparing the space to connect. Um, if there's more of you, um, keep your hearts and your, your like spiritual eyes, as it were, open to uh, what could you pray for those around you? Uh, how could you bless each other? Uh, wanting to, to really encounter the Holy Spirit. So let's let's dive in and uh, yeah, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here in the name of Jesus. We welcome you into these homes, into the places where we're watching or streaming. We ask that you would come and be so present, so evident, right now in the name of Jesus. We pray for freedom, freedom from all the things that we're carrying at the moment. Pray that your spirit would come and, and move in each of us. I bless you, PBC. Bless you with an encounter with the Holy Spirit to laugh, to cry, to shake, to fall down in front of God. Bless you with, with tongues, with words of knowledge, with dreams, with prophetic understanding and foresight. Bless you with discernment. Holy Spirit, would you come be a part of this gathering that we have, even though we aren't in the same place, we're meeting together. I pray for each of the families that are watching. Would you yeah, be pouring out your spirit so that they may be a blessing to one another? Pray for those who are watching, uh, yeah, either with just uh, one other or with no others, that your spirit would be encountering them now in a profound and significant way. Come, Holy Spirit, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds for what you have to say, um, and, and would you be moving in us and encouraging us and strengthening us in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I don't want to rush on. If you need to take time to spend more time with Jesus, just pause for a little bit. You play a song, you're more than welcome to.
Amen. Amen. I don't know about you guys, but I'm one of those people that when the new year comes around, I'm always super excited because I just know that, that God has so many promises and things prepared for each new year. I'm one of those guys that gets carried away with the New Year's resolutions. I've already got like seven lined up in the barrel. And every year I seem to have these things um, that I get excited about. I get excited about what God wants to do in our lives. And each year it's awesome to kind of see some of those things happen. But this year has felt a little bit different, hasn't it? It's felt as though while we're trying to, to rally to get this year going, we're still being knocked down in this battle that's going on all around us. We are, are hearing the sirens of retreat from the leaders around us that are telling us, hey, this is not the time. This is, this is a time to retreat, to withdraw, to go back. And, and it's tough. I've been finding myself wanting to get excited and charge into the different ministries and spaces that I'm in. But at the same time, feeling like every day there's more news of hurt pain of struggling of sickness and of death and as as a family as a PVC family we really have had a hectic start to this year the pandemic seems to be worse than it was ever last year there's still news of political unrest all over the world and especially in America which seems to impact us quite significantly and so we're finding ourselves in a time where we normally are excited and rejuvenated and passionate about the year ahead, feeling like we've just been knocked down and are hopeless and helpless and at our wit's end. And as, as I was praying for this week and, and thinking about what it is that I want to share, I just realized that I've been someone who normally is so excited at this time of year and can't wait for God to do what He's going to do. Normally, at this time, we would have just been on the gathering camp and would have experienced incredible, incredible connection with the Holy Spirit. But instead, we've been stuck at home in a hard, hard lockdown. And as I was thinking about this, there were two stories from Scripture that came to mind that, that encouraged me. And I want to share them with you. I want to hopefully encourage you guys as we, as we start this new year. The first one is from Exodus uh, chapter 17, I think. Let me get my notes because otherwise we're going to have a very interesting sermon. Uh, yes, Exodus chapter 17 verses 18 to 15. This is the story of, of, this is the part of the story where Israel is still wandering around in the desert. In fact, they've, they've just crossed over the sea uh, by most accounts and, and have been wandering around. Uh, God's provided them quail and manna and, and a few miraculous uh, water sources. Uh, but just before this chapter, we actually see the Israelites at a place where they're like, what's going on? Has God forsaken us? Is he still with us? Uh, we're struggling to get things like water. We're struggling to, to actually survive and find guidance and know what's happening. And so there's a bit of grumbling and disunity in, in the Israel nation. And people are feeling pretty uh, downtrodden and hopeless and then to make matters worse there's an Amalekite army which has come and has seen them as an advantage as free food to take as all the wealth that they've brought over um, up for grabs and so these Amalekites come and they attack the Israelites 
Now Israel, Israel is a very fragile nation. It's pretty much untested in warfare. Uh, they're all just people who have just been slaves, have no idea about the intricacies. And so instead of calling for the chariots and calling for the archers and calling for the footmen, Moses calls Joshua and tells him just to gather the guys. A group of men untested in war. And so the, is the Amalekites attack the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses asks Joshua to take these men and to go out. And he asks the, the priest Aaron and Hur to go up a mountain with him. And he's, he takes his staff, the staff of the Lord, with him. And he climbs up this mountain and this battle begins. Uh, yeah, on the one side, you have this Amalekite army, which has seen an opportunity. They know that they're stronger. They know that they've got a chance here. And they can see the wealth that the Israelites have brought out of Egypt. And they're taking this advantage. And you have this, this group of Israelites, which are still wondering whether God is even with them. They, they are really at their wit's end and feeling hopeless. And, and you have Moses up on a mountain with the staff of the Lord. And his act of obedience that he has to do for this battle is to hold his hands up above his head. And while his hands are above his head, the Israelites are winning and things are great. And as soon as his hands lower below his head, then the Israelites start losing. Now the issue is, I don't know if any of you guys have tried to hold your hands up above your head. But it's okay for like a worship song or two. And then, then we go into some more quieter stuff. But when you're there for about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, it gets quite tough. It gets really tough. So Moses struggles and he finds himself actually getting fatigued. He can no longer keep his hands up above his head. And the Israelites are once again now losing in a battle and, and are having to, to refocus. And so they rally. When, when Aaron and her who are up on the mountain with Moses, they go and they get him a rock to sit on. They, they stand by either side of him and they hold his hands up and are his support. And at the end of the day, the unthinkable happens. This downtrodden and hurt nation of Israel comes through victorious. They completely annihilate these Amalekite, this Amalekite army that has come to raid them and have found themselves in a very different space where they were this, that morning. They know that God is with them. They know that He's still there. A similar situation happens in Judges. And this is a little later on in the story. Uh, in Judges chapter 7, there's Midianites that are coming to, to attack this now Israelite nation that is very divided. There's no king yet, and everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes, is the tagline of Judges. If you ever need to think of Judges, it's, it's that line. Um, and... And, and what's happened? Yeah, there's no unity. And these Midianites come in and they start pillaging and they start taking what they can. And there's a fear on the land. Um, the, the Israelite nation itself has become very impoverished. They're becoming desperate. And so they cry out to the Lord. The Lord then chooses to, to find this young man, Gideon, who is so terrified that he is found in a wine press, threshing wheat so that the Midianites wouldn't steal his wheat. And after a number of different tests and backing and forwarding with God about whether he's chosen the right person or not, and, and whether this is actually going to happen, that, that he'll be able to defeat the Midianites, we find that, yeah, he goes ahead with it. He gathers around him 
300 men. And again, these were the 300 Spartans that stopped the Persian Empire um, through cleverest ta uh, tactics and uh, witty maneuvers. No, these were just 300 normal men who were called and, and they came. And they actually, yeah, there, there were some people who were asked, yeah, are you scared you could go home? People went home. Uh, and then they were asked to drink water. And these were the guys that drank the water a little bit weirdly because it was only 300 of them. And they were asked to fight. These 300 men go up against an army of millionites, whose number is described as many as there is sand on the seashore. And that's just their camels. What's worse is that the Midianites decide that that's not even enough. We're going to get the Amalekites who we heard about earlier. They're going to come join us. And a whole lot of other people that the Israelites have made enemies with, they all band together to come and take up this Israelite nation. And Gideon, who is a man who is terrified, is asked to lead this nation. And again, they have given an act of obedience which seems a bit bizarre. You know, it doesn't make sense that a man holding a staff above his head is going to win the battle. In the same way, these guys go into battle and they're given a torch and jars and trumpets. And it's a bit weird. But one night they stand on the edge of the Midianite camp and they make a whole scene. They shatter their jars so that light pours out over the valley. They're blowing their trumpets. They're making a noise. And the Lord causes confusion within this army that is coming to destroy them. And the army destroys itself. At the end of the day, there's news, good news spread around the whole of Israel. That this threat that was insurmountable, that was just impending over them, was destroyed because of the Lord Almighty. Now these two are super interesting stories because I can relate a lot to that initial feeling of hopelessness, of hopelessness, and man, yet again, there's another thing that's coming at us. There's another thing that we have to put up with again. But I also love where it goes to. It moves from being these formidable foes to God showing off, being glorified, and, and being true to the promises that He's given. These leaders, even though they had to do some ridiculous things, were obedient and followed. What's also interesting is that um, we, we see that it wasn't just the normal people who were terrified. It was the leaders as well. There wasn't, there wasn't the sense of, you know, that those people are scared and, and then there's some incredible leaders that come out of nowhere who are not scared. It was everyone was feeling hopeless and helpless. And as a leader at the beginning of this year, who's been feeling a little bit helpless and hopeless, it's been really encouraging to know that that's, that's who God's looking to use. That's who He's excited about. And now many of us could be in the same place now, where we're feeling hopeless, overwhelmed, underqualified. We're charging hard on our own. We're mere hours or days away from burnout and exhaustion. And yet we have this new year in which we need to rally in which we need to call ourselves together again so we could charge hard into a new year. But how do we do that? How do we rally while we're still taking the hits? The first step that we see in these stories is that we, need to, we rally while taking the hits by moving from self-reliance to relying on Christ, leaning on Him. 
Now that sounds like super easy, but it's really not. It's a shifting of our entire foundations. Both Moses and Gideon only saw victory because of a radical obedience that they had to follow God, even in a scheme that sounded ridiculous. For those of us who've been carrying the burden of this last year on our own, Christ is calling us to come to Him, to rest, to allow Him to lead us to the creative solutions that gives Him the glory. I know for myself, this is, this is always the first place that I need to check. When things are going wrong, it's like, what's going on in this space? And sometimes I can't do this by myself. I need others. And that leads me to the next point. Is, is we're relying on God, but we're also relying on each other. We see that even though God was doing incredible things through these leaders, they needed to have the others around them. Mo Moses needed to have Aaron and Hur to help him. And he needed to have Joshua to lead the army that was fighting. Gideon needed to find 300 crazy people who would go and fight an army that was as numerous as sand on the seashore and who would actually follow him into a battle plan that sounded as bizarre as taking a light show and a music concert to fight an army. The truth is that while we've been created to be dependent on God, we've also been created to be interdependent on each other. We're created for community. As a church, we're reliant on each member of the body, working together, functioning in their gifting, functioning in their way, serving together. In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 26, Paul shows us this. He says that if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part is honoured with it. And haven't we felt this in the last few weeks? Hasn't this been our reality? As we've suffered together, we have just felt the hurt of every person who's fallen ill, every person that's passed away. But we've also had the incredible opportunity to rejoice together in each of the testimonies that have been sent through. We see that people have been coming together to serve the body, whether it's been through small things like phone calls and popping messages and prayers, or covering huge costs financially that we've had to uh, do through the care for COVID and, or even meals, stuff like that. People have come and, and been loving and serving and laying down their lives for each other. Because the reality is this, is that we're reliant on each other. And that what each person brings to the community is super important. We rely on God, we rely on each other. And we stand firm together. And in each of these stories, Israel is having to rally while taking the hits. And as they're coming together, they rely on God, they get the group of people around them. But then they turn to fight. They turn to look ahead, to move forward, despite the craziness of things that are going around. They look ahead and start out in obedience to what God's calling them to do. Seeing God doing incredible things through them. The thing that's really incredible about these stories is that in the beginning, victory is inconceivable. Yet that's what God was calling them to. Paul found incredible clarity in the midst of suffering about his mission on earth. In Philippians 1 verses 21, he says, For, me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
says, if I'm to go on to living, it's to mean fruitful labor. But if I die, I get to be with Christ, which is better by far. To honor Rob, last year we were in a prayer meeting together and, and praying for each other. And one of the sentiments that he was holding on to was that this too will pass. All the sufferings, all the struggles of this world will pass. See, he held on to an eternal mindset that in the good times and in the bad times, we're holding out for something that's more and beyond this world. He had a hope in eternal life with Christ, in a good God, who knew that all of this stuff was going to come to an end. What a privilege it was to work with someone who is so passionate and believes so strongly in those things. I really miss him. I really miss having such an incredible partner in the mission field. But I also rejoice in knowing that, that he has so much that he's gained because of it. Part of, of rallying while still taking the hits is that knowing that these hits aren't the final say. And we do not do this for our own sake, but because of the mission that Christ has called us to. Christ told us that this life is not going to be easy. He says that we're going to face trials of many kinds. He calls us to pick up our cross to follow him. And when Jesus was facing some of the most toughest times in his life, he spoke about the costly sacrifice that would happen to him. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. John 12 verses 24. See, we're called to something that's greater, that's beyond, that calls every part of us, that takes all that we have. We're to know that this life is to be hard. And for a lot of us, it, this last year has really tested that part of our faith. As I look to this next year, I still hold on to that hope of the new year. The trust in a good God who has incredible plans for a wonderful year. But I also know more keenly the cost of serving Christ. I know that I have to rely on Him now more than ever. I know that yeah, I can do nothing without Him. I know that I have to rely on this church and this body, this community that we have around us now more than ever. That I have responsibility as being part of that body, not only to help and serve each other, but to be honest when I'm struggling, to call out to a brother or sister for help. One of the things about this online community is it's made it so difficult for, for people to see the hurt that we're all going through. We have to make it known. And then finally this year, I'm praying for and seeking God to do the incredibly awesome things that He does. To be faithful to the promises that He's made. I know that the God that we serve is one day going to remove every single bit of pain. But I know that He calls me to be part of that now. So I encourage you, PVC. I want to finish off with... Um, 
was reading Psalm 121, which has also been a psalm of incredible encouragement to me. And you might find yourself in so many different parts of that rallying process. Maybe it is that we need to just look on, like rely back on the Lord, seek out His face, search Him out, be intentional about finding out where He is. Maybe it's, it's about helping the parts of the body that's really hurting, being there with them, serving them, serving each other. Maybe we're the ones that are hurting, that are needing to call out to the body. Maybe it's that we've lost our purpose, that we've forgotten in the midst of all these struggles, that we've been called to lay down our lives for something greater than ourselves, for the mission of Christ, for the redemption of this world. Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither sleep nor slumber. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. PBC, there's been a lot that's been said this morning, and you might be in very different situations. But I encourage you now, if you're needing someone to pray with you, someone to chat to, someone to, yeah, help you just to reconnect with the Lord who watches over you, to be reminded of His goodness, then reach out. Father God, we pray for each of the people watching now. That even though we're feeling like we're struggling with hopelessness and helplessness, even though that as we're trying to get ourselves excited about a new year and we're struggling with that reality because of everything that's happening, would you remind us of your promises? Would you remind us of your mission? Would you help us to stand firm in you, to stand firm together, and to be able to push back what the enemy has been taking from us over these last weeks, months, and year? In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, everyone.